and welcome back to Paperback Besties, where we are besties who like to read and like to talk about it. I'm Rachel. And I'm Callan. And today we are talking about The Starling House by Alex E. Harrow. Harrow? Sure. Okay. I love her. Fan of the pod, Alex E. Harrow. She liked our reel. It's kind of my moment of 2023. Yeah. The the best thing that's ever happened to me this uh, year. Yes. Well, I don't know about that, but maybe. Probably starting this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's probably better. So we read the first, as usual with our buddy reads, we read the first half Mm -hmm. of the book. So we stopped at chapter 17. Yeah. Page 152. So we haven't read chapter 17 yet. Right. And I almost kept going. Me too. (laughs) But I was like, no, this is a friendship. I don't want to betray the friendship or the pod. But yeah, I almost kept going past chapter 17. It is a pretty short book. It's like 300 and something pages, 311 or something like that. But a lot happens. A lot has happened. Yes. And I noted here that it's it's a short book, but it's not a quick read. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll pick up a book and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm already 70 pages in. How did that happen? This one I like looked to see where I was at. I was like, oh my God, I'm 30 pages in. I thought I've been reading this forever. But that's not a bad thing. It's just there's so much happening and I'm so into it. I don't want to miss anything. Yes. It is very like meaty. Like there's a, it's very dense. There's a lot of content per page, a lot of subtext per page, a lot going on. A lot of information. It's creepy. It's gothic. It's really great for spooky season. I'm really enjoying it so far. Same. And I told Alex that, so... (laughs) Alex and, and, said, and she said thank you anything i can do to help <laughs> no secret to you know fans of the pod but alexi harrow is probably my favorite author Ten Thousand doors of january is her first novel is my favorite book of all time and this is her third full-length novel and i'm already halfway through and i'm like this is an amazing book i'm eating it up i'm obsessed i love the setting yeah i love the way that she writes because there is like so much nuance like there's so many things where We've said about V.E. Schwab and um, in Fourth Wing, we were like, I don't feel like anything in here is unimportant. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect example. Like every little like thing that throws in there, I'm like, that is important. That's important. That's important. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes I find myself rereading a paragraph or a section or actually Evan does this a lot when he's reading like Harry Potter or Game of Thrones or whatever. He'd like read the previous page of the chapter he left off on. I've never had to do that. But for this one, I've done it multiple times. Me too. When I've I like never pick it up that. again a day later, I have to go back and just see, okay, where did we end on? And it's it's easy to, it's not saying it's not easy to follow. It's just that like, I just want to, everything's important. I know everything's important. Even just going over this, that's why I really wanted to skim everything over again to make notes. And I was even catching things I didn't catch the first time. Same. I think this is definitely one that you can read again because I have no idea where this ending's going to go. I think you can read it again and catch something new next time. Yeah. She writes like this all the time. And I, January's like that too. And I've only read The Once in Future, which is once, but I did give it five stars. And I feel like that, like, I feel like all, those are her other two books. But I feel like, like everything is, I don't know, just very relevant. Even so that there's little chunks in this book that are like, almost like newspaper articles or someone else telling a story where they, the font changes and it's like, we're in a different time period of talking right now. And I, in the course of taking notes for recording this reread like four of those sections Mm -hmm. and was like oh my god I didn't notice that we want to get into it 
Okay. We start with Opal. I like Opal. I do too. And she she's a very flawed main character. She is like a liar and and a thief and all these things, but she openly admits that. Yeah. But she's still very likable. I think she's a hard ass, but she does everything for her younger brother. So mm-hmm. it's not like she's just doing it because like she just because like our friend Lila Bard is doing it to try to give her younger brother a better life mm-hmm. in Eden, Kentucky. And she's a very so the, her sections are told in first person. And then there's also some sections told in third person about Arthur Starling. And I have a question. Yes. That I don't know if you would know the answer because I don't also know the answer, but I just, who is the narrator of this book? Because Opal is talking in first person and there are sub notes that are like correcting her. Mm. I think I saw on a Goodreads review that actually, I I don't know if the, the subtext is explained. Uh-huh. I think they just said it just added a good element to the book. I have a feeling, because this is something that our girl Alex is famous for, is Doing... that this is this is going to be a book within a book at the yeah, end. Yeah, I was actually thinking it, it might be something like the, you know how like Arthur has, is the warden of Starling House and he knows basically how to be the warden and the heir of Starling House because of everything that the other wardens have left behind mm-hmm. i'm wondering if it's kind of like a that thing yeah yeah like an instruction like a story of their story of starling house or their time at starling house because i'll just say it she's very much the next warden oh yeah of starling house based off of everything and he's there i don't know if he was ever meant to be it i don't know I have a theory about the wardens that I took notes on. Ooh. So she says one of the first things that is in the book is that she's like, I I often have dreams about this house I've never seen, mm-hmm. which we learn later in chapters is how the house chooses its next warden is essentially it like calls out to somebody via their dreams. And then that person shows up and mm-hmm. the house is like, hello, here's the deed to the house with your name on it. And the thing is, we don't really find that out until like one of the most recent chapters that we just read. Yeah. Because I was just going over chapter 12 and for the first time we kind of hear about all the different wardens and how you know that there's no starling family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, there's Kentucky no family American lineage there. Yeah. Yeah, so the house apparently chooses its own people and it chose Arthur's parents. But you're right, did it ever choose Arthur? Maybe it chose her instead. Because she's, she's, she's been having these dreams since she was little. Mm-hmm. And he's 28 and she's 26. But is she 26? Because she's also an unreliable narrator. And apparently later we find out that she her birthday is something different than what she said it was. But oh, right. It, but it I... also said 93. And I'm like, what year is this taking I... place? Because yeah, 93 yeah. would mean that she's 30. <laughs> Ooh, let me do that. Is okay. she 30 or is she 18 and this is taking place younger? Like, No, she, it said she's 26. She said Somewhere she said she's 26. That's true. She lies. That's an interesting. T- I didn't think about that. Because it's not like her birth is well documented. Her mom said she gave birth to her in the back of her car. And, like, she doesn't even really have a last name. So, interesting. Yeah, so she apparently forged a lot. Of their their mom died and she forged a lot mm-hmm. of documents to become her brother's legal guardian to mm-hmm. prohibit him from doing, from whatever, getting taken when by she the was state and stuff. When she was 15, her mom died. Okay. So maybe, 
don't know. So, but she says, the, um, what's her name? Elizabeth Bain says something or like subtly drops through Jasper to get to Opal, her real birthday. Yeah. Which was 93, in 1993, which it's 2023. She would be 30, mm -hmm. but she's saying she's 26. Is I mean, but is this book taking place in 2010? I don't know. Right. That's true. Because we have phones. Obviously, we have like smartphones in the book. They've got That's laptops. Yeah. Obviously. I don't know. But anyway, I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna assume she's 26. I, I like that she's 26. I'm going to pretend like I know that she's 26. Yeah, she's... I prefer a female lead character who's not 18. And 26 is different than 30, I feel like. Yeah. Also, she can't be. She can't be 30. But she can't be older. I feel like the threat is that she's actually younger than she says she is. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Oh, hmm. I just stared out the window, like, contemplating that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Back to the dreams and the warden of the Back house. Back to the dreams and the wardens and the house. Okay. We have Opal. She, as we all know at this point her mom has passed away when she was presumably 15 leaving her with her younger brother who's 10 years younger than her that's just the math that i did in my head yeah they live in eden kentucky which is basically just a town with um that got big from coal mines and now it's a power plant and there's nothing besides like a dollar general a tractor supply store which she currently at the beginning of this book worked at just to make ends meet, and a motel where she lives for free with her brother because her mom made a bet with the owner. But honestly, I think the owner just keeps she, them there. Yeah, she, she doesn't seem to there. have any guests, so she's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Her favorite book growing up was The Underland, and The Underland was written and illustrated by Eleanor Starling, mm -hmm. who we only know as E. Starling. And she had vivid dreams of the Underland and of the Starling House. So that's basically the background. Mm -hmm. That's where we are. And then we start. Oh, we find out that her brother's, like, super smart. He's still in school. And she just wants to get him out of the shit town and go to, like, some fancy private school or something further away. So he can be smart and explore his talents there. And she's trying to save up and get money for that for him. And I like her brother. But I feel like something's going to happen with her brother. Yeah, I don't know. And he's he's um like making these interesting videos. Like he makes like these little short and the cinematic little short videos. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't there was a a plot point where she he was making one but he wasn't sharing it with her for a period of time and then she just in the one of the last chapters we saw actually watched it for the first time, but it was like cryptic and spooky and I feel like something's going on with him. So yes. I'm suspicious of everything at this moment. <laughs> I'm so suspicious of everything. Like, I, I texted you. I forget where I was at when I texted you. I was like, what the fuck is happening? But I'm so here for it. Because it's, you're finding out, I think, slower than Opal's finding out. Mm -hmm. Like, you see all these things. All these things are coming together. And you're like, what the fuck does this mean? And that's why there's so much. I really have to pay attention here. But it's all great. Yeah, there was a, a bit where, so the people who own the power plant slash previous coal, coal mine is a family called the Gravelies, or Gravelies, mm -hmm. but my brain says Gravely. Oh, I say Gravely. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So Gravely's <laughs> probably better. <laughs> so the Gravelies own this coal mine, now power plant, and they had an old house in town that they like evacuated at, at some point in the 1900s, late 1800s, like after Eleanor mysteriously disappeared, the house was emptied. And now they have all of their stuff in the archives in the library where Opal's friend works. 
So she was digging through there and she saw a receipt tucked in a Bible with a phone number on it. And only until two chapters, she's like, she knows the phone number. She kind of has like a panic attack about knowing the phone number. And then two chapters later, we find out it was her mom's phone number. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I can't stop reading. Yeah. Like, I gotta, I gotta figure out. Basically, the only people I'm not suspicious of are Opal and Arthur. Yes, because I'm, like, I'm suspicious to a point where, like, I know that they know them more than we do, but I also mm-hmm. know by now that they're gonna tell us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, we're gonna find out. Obviously, the, the house and the house is essentially getting, like, mysteriously attacked by beasts. Or there's these these beasts that are, like, rumored in the town to, like, they have Siberian tigers on their land. They have mm-hmm. weird white wolves in their land. All of this stuff. And then later you find out what they actually are. Or, so far, we find out that they're, like, beasts from the Underland. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know why the Underland is, I mean, you don't really know, like, why the Underland is open, like, what's going on, how often does this happen, all this stuff. But, like, I feel very strongly, like, we will find out. Yeah. We all we know yet. <laughs> Is, like, the mist has something to do with it, or it's just a creepy mm-hmm. part of the book. Someone has to guard the house. The house has its, like, own feelings. It's basically its own entity. It just, like, I think there was a line that said, if you feel like if you put your ear up to the wallpaper, like, you'd hear a heart beating. Like, the raptors are its ribs. So the house kind of responds to both Opal and Arthur. Um, and Arthur basically kind of let the house kind of go to shit. But then when Opal peers at his door, because she's just drawn to the house, she's curious about it. This is page 25. She shows up. Arthur tells her to run. She comes back. She actually gets up to the front of the house. um, And she's like the only person who ever did this before. And he says that he hadn't recognized her the night before with her hair under her hood. But then her hair, like one like curl, her red hair, falls out from under her hood. And... He couldn't tell the color of it until the first ambulance rounded the corner in the sudden glare of the headlights. Her hair had become a bed of coals in his arm or a field of poppies blooming out of season. And I had to read that line three times. I'm just like, <laughs> I guess I'll just have to find this out later. But going back on page 23, well, from her point of view, um, once her hair fell out under from under her hood, her eyes left his, or I'm sorry, his eyes left hers. And landed on the wayward curl of hair. The rims of his nostrils go white. Suddenly he's made of still water instead of stone. And I can see a series of emotions rippling across his surface. Terrible suspicion, shock, grief, and abysmal guilt. I didn't catch that until I just reread it. So he's seen her before. Yeah. And we find out that there's no accidents in Eden. But Opal is convinced that her mom's car accident that killed her was an accident. Something ran across the road. She ended up in the river. Opal had to get out. Her She kind of just left her mom because, like, I mean, that, you know, her mom. She was like 15 and you're yeah, in drowning 15. car. You're drowning. So she got out. It's so hard to stick to one. Like, we're just bouncing all we're around gonna, here. Yeah. We're going to bounce. I have a lot so of we're, bounce. We're, we're, we're bouncing, guys. We're bouncing. <laughs> There's just so many things that are just little lines like that. This book is great. Um, I wish I could. I wish this was a spoiler free so I could tell more people to read it. So then flipping forward to page 81, she's talking more about almost drowning, um, about more how she doesn't remember letting go of her mom's hand, but she must have. Um, I crossed her name off the list in my head, swum for the surface, abandoning her to the river bottom because the next thing I remember is vomiting on the shore. Clay beneath my fingernails, grit in my teeth, ice in my chest. 
the shine of the power plant through the bare branches, a cold sun that refused to die. I drifted away from myself dreaming and in the dream I was not cold at all. I was not the bad luck daughter of a bad luck mother, an accident washed up from the shore of a poison river. In the dream, I was held tight, safe and warm inside a pair of arms that didn't exist. He <gasps> pulled her out of the river. And I think maybe- oh, yeah, I never even picked up on that. You didn't? Oh no. my gosh, I picked up on that immediately. Well, I knew that like he, in his when he first saw her, he like recognized her. And I assumed there was going to be something. But like, as soon as you started reading that, I was like, oh my God, like, was he, was that him? Okay, so I have, so this was from Monday. I said, okay, so he clearly helped her out of the water when her mom crashed and drowned. He stated there's no accidents in Eden, so maybe the house is tied to them all. This is actually before page 81 I took this note. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially this one because he feels like he owes her a debt and now the house wants her back. And I was like, maybe kind of like final destination because this was before, I took this note before we found out that that's how the house pulls Mm -hmm. people in. I was like, ooh, final destination house once they're dead now because it's a part of a plan but no it's not um so maybe he feels guilty because he let a beast escape or something um and he was kind of going after it but the beast kind of ran from the car car you know went into the river he was there helped opal out and she was just too like you know half drowned to kind of realize what was happening and her hair is so rare not rare but like you know recognizable recommend thank you recognizable that yeah he immediately knew who she was i didn't even think about the beast escaping thing because this was what 10 years ago was he warden Mm -hmm. 10 years ago like when did his parents die his parents died yeah i think 2007 so if we're going by 2007 like if we're saying the book takes place in 2023 if his parents died in 2007 he would have been warden 10 years ago Mm -hmm. but he would have been like 18 okay I have a point, but I'm going to, like, drift a little bit, so bear with me. We learned that the the house or that Eleanor Starling, who essentially started this line of the house being sentient uh, over the the rift that leads to the Underland where the beasts are, Mm -hmm. has it out for the Gravely family. She, there's three different stories that we hear so far, which is one of the things I took notes on. 2007. 2007 is when his parents died. Yes, 2007. So that was more than 10 years ago, if it's 2023. Mm. So he would have been warden then. And yeah, maybe he did let somebody escape or something. Or it was right by the gate, so I don't know where it was. Because they say the house is right across the river from the power plant. Mm -hmm. So it could have been right in front of the house. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in the story, we have three different stories of Starling House told to us through, like, different fonts in the book like it's like this is a chunk almost like a newspaper article or like this is somebody telling a story and here it is one is the wikipedia page one is bev the owner of the motel Uh uh-huh the other is charlotte from the library her recording of talking to calliope whose grandfather used to work for the plant yeah as a as a slave like very clearly as a yeah as a slave slave for the plant you couldn't call it worker it's 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 a slave yeah Um, it was the 1800s and they mentioned in that in her story about how like the -hmm. world america had changed but nobody told quote quote nobody told eden yet so they were just you know yeah it was pre-juneteenth and then so i guess there's four i missed the wikipedia page one yeah and then the last one is right where we stopped reading when Mm -hmm. arthur had the thing but each of them is called something different which i think is very fun so i didn't catch the wikipedia pages one but the the first one that i wrote down was bev and it was called this is the story of starling house and that story is told they all have the same bullet points, but they're told through different perspectives. That one is told through the perspective of the people who live in Eden, like Bev, 
telling the story of this horrible woman, Eleanor, who came and the Gravely Boys were just hardworking young guys and they built a business from nothing and she was terrible and led them astray and like they all died and it's mysterious and it was this horrible woman's fault. And then the next one that I wrote was Calliope's story, which was obviously told through the perspective of one of the workers who obviously a slave does not like his slave master. So it's told through a, a completely different horrible. opposite of the lens. Yeah. It's horrible, especially when like slavery was gone mm-hmm. everywhere else except Eden, Kentucky and under the gravely watch. Yeah. Disgusting. This is my favorite version of the story. Because- my favorite too. <laughs> really? Yes. Because I obviously feel like it's the most authentic. It's the most, the one I'm led the most to believe, even though it's given with like a little bit of a superstition thing, because his story is very magical. Like the, he goes into the underland, you know, he's like digging. I think it's also a good, like he dug his way into hell. Yeah. Because that's, that's what the Gravelys were demanding that he does. Yeah. And in that story, obviously it's very anti-Gravely. The third I'm one, same. <laughs> and the third one is Arthur telling Opal, "This is the history of Starling mm-hmm. House," and Calliope calls it the truth of Starling House, and he calls mm-hmm. it the history of Starling House. And obviously, it's told from the perspective of people inside the house, which is Arthur, and that's the one that's probably I wrote probably the only one that can be believed a hundred percent to be true, except mm-hmm. told through Arthur's bias, because at the end he starts like roasting himself, like he's like, oh, and the son is a piece of shit who didn't really deserve this and doesn't need yeah. it, he's not good at it, and like obviously he's like has a bias of anti himself, but everything else pretty much lines up with Calliope's story without like- the mysticism of it. All of them have one thing in common, and that's Eleanor came into town. No one knows who she knows who she is. She's just a young, wide-eyed girl. The night of her wedding to John Gravely, the oldest one who started the business, died, mm-hmm. or some, or shortly after. But it's still. And I really liked Nathaniel, who was Calliope's grandfather. I really liked his story of that when he met up with her, basically on the banks of the river, told her the story of him digging. For the coal, but landing into the underland, kind of. Mm-hmm. And he was like, now let me know if you still want to walk into the river or not. And she didn't. And she kind of just made her own little, she made her own, like, story with that. And I thought that was pretty cool. I really, that's why I like that story the best. I like that story the best, too. It, I mean, it humanizes Eleanor because she was clearly, mm-hmm. like, he said she had rocks in her pockets. Like, she was mm-hmm. clearly on the edge of just, like. Drowning herself. Yeah. Kill, yeah, getting over this because she can't live with this horrible man. And then he tells her a story about how he's a, actually a horrible man, but there's like a essentially like a secret hell in mm-hmm. in his land that has beasts in it and all this stuff. And so and then later she he has like a wife and kids and he just can't bring himself to leave the town. He's been freed at this point. His wife is a free woman. Thank God. Thank God. And he's like, I can't just bring myself to leave the town. He says something about like, oh, her cousin's having another baby. Like there's always another excuse. We can't mm-hmm. leave. And he gets like a mysterious message from Eleanor that says it's time for you to leave now in thanks for an old favor kind of or an old kindness and he's like all right time to go so he and his wife and his family move and he says eden's come up and said finally arrived like he's like i know she's she's doing some crazy i'm just gonna get out of here and i mm-hmm. that's what that's one of the parts i like the most about it is that they have like this little like, alliance against yeah. the, the yeah. great ladies. based on what you said um like a few minutes ago that arthur has a bias against himself so I have a question here and just going off of what you said. So he doesn't feel like he's great at it mm-hmm. and he's kind of not great at it. Do you think it's because he's not meant to be the warden? It should be Opal. 
And also, but based on that, or kind of coming piggybacking, oh my God, I can't fucking talk. <laughs> piggybacking off of that, he tried to run away before mm-hmm. and his dad wanted him to run away. His mom was like, no, you have to be the heir. And his dad like packed him. Um, I thought that was so cute. Packed him peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> for him. And then he came back. I, he like, do you think it was willingly? Do you think he couldn't leave? I have so many questions. I feel like we're going to find out, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was, like, called back or something. Mm -hmm. Like, if the house called him back or if his parents were like, we're dying, we need you to come back kind of thing. Like, I don't think he came back. He was like, I miss it. Like, I think he had to come back. Right. He definitely did not miss it. But, yeah, yeah, for some reason, he was pulled back and he can't Mm -hmm. leave. I had a thought about the, um, about Opal's dreams, but I think I've corrected myself when I, like, tried to reread it. One of my second notes, <laughs> I said the house is calling to Opal to be the next warden or to be Arthur's partner because clearly the house ships her and Arthur together, 100%. which I love. First of all, the house is my favorite character. <laughs> I didn't know up until the last chapter it, that we read if the house was good or evil. And I think it's good. It's just the beasts that are underneath are mm-hmm. evil. I agree with that. Yeah. And I like that she, I'd like, I, I like that the house has its its own personality and i do think it's good but i think it's like twisted a little bit it was like created to be like a haven for eleanor on top of this rift to keep it safe she had like all these locks and stuff and then something happened to eleanor all we know she disappeared she disappeared presumably is dead yeah i don't know i feel like the house is like sympathetic towards arthur a little bit but also like kind of fighting with him yeah and And then opal comes as the house cleaner or housekeeper and the house is responding to it and it loves it but you mm-hmm. also know that the house changes like some days the path to the front door is short other days it's super long and windy mm-hmm. um i think it was really funny i was i thought the same exact thing you just said that the house ships them together yes when she was like her brother confronted her she's like yeah i do work there the scariest thing i did see though was arthur starling in a towel <gasps> because she walked in on the bathroom when it was a closet like the yes. day before <laughs> So the house is, like, constantly changing, shifting. It's a maze. I like how when the, um, she was in his room and she couldn't get to it. She was trying to go to his room because she wanted to mm-hmm. steal the keys. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't get there because the house kept, like, making different pathways and she kept ending up in, like, the library. Yeah. And then at some point she just says, like, and she keeps talking to, quote, to nothing. But but it's uh, the house. But it's the house. Like, And been- the house is subtly responding. And she's like, you know, you're being a real dick about this. And then the house is like, sorry. And that makes the stairs to his room. <laughs> and then when she gets the keys or she notices that he does all these drawings and one of them was of her. So she kind of like gets a little freaked out about all of the stuff in his room and runs away. And then she runs out of a, a door and that door leads her straight to where he is gardening mm-hmm. on his parents' graves. And the house is like, look how nice he is. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, tell He's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come out here i just ran out the door and this is where it led me and he just walks up and punches the house (laughs) yeah because he he thinks he likes being alone he's he doesn't want to let her in he thinks he's saving her yeah i really liked one of the last chapters we read where i don't know if we can talk about that before we talk about elizabeth bain though we can talk about it right now okay so elizabeth bain she's a bitch so elizabeth bain just shows up out of nowhere from Innovative Solutions Consulting Group. When did she first show up? Because I think it was in between when I put the book down and then picked it back up again. Chapter and, 8. Yeah, and like she was like, oh, what I talked about yesterday. And I was like, where did this woman come from? 
I don't remember. Right, right, right. Okay, so just to recap up until this point, so you kind of like know where we are. Chapter eight, we find out more about, so I think Opal and Arthur start having a conversation. He's asking about like her parents and I guess why she needs the money. And you find out more about her family where she's like, my dad might be driving trucks in Tennessee, don't really know. And we find out that Jasper's dad is Mexican. He was only here for a summer. And Eden's racist towards Jasper. Great. Wonderful. Well, checks out for what we know about Eden's history. (laughs) Yeah. And their relationship with people of different races. So um, this is the chapter that Arthur gives her his coat because she got locked out of the house. It was cold, so he gives her her his coat. We kind of see the sword thingy and... This is when Elizabeth Bain shows up, I think, in the parking lot of the motel or whether she's I think she's walking to work. I'm not entirely sure. And mm-hmm. she's just wanting she says, I, these people are just interested in Starling House and the land. Please give me more information. And at first, Opal's like, fuck off. And then she's going to work a little while later. She's walking to work. Elizabeth shows up again with in a car with these like men. And she's basically like in the backseat, just blackmailing opal kind of just scaring her into saying yeah she shows her her paypal account with lots of zeros on it she shows her all these headlines basically one of them's her mom's death she tells her all about how she knows about jasper and she just knows too much so it's kind of scares opal she's like okay i'll take pictures give you all Mm -hmm. the information i can fast forward to chapter 17 or chapter 16 she finally goes into the pantry and she's been in the pantry before it's locked and there's a trap no, door in the pantry that is tra- locked. Yes. Yeah. And she stole Arthur's keys to get to that. So she sneaks in one night because Jasper confronted her. Like, I got called into the principal's office. This lady showed up asking all about you. He was really mad at Opal for hiding all of this from him. That's when he gave her the note or the, the message from Elizabeth Bain about her real birthday. So Opal's like, fuck this. Like, he goes over to his friend's house. Opal's like, fuck this. Goes over to the house late at night, creeps in or sneaks in, whatever. And then we get from Arthur's standpoint that she opened the pantry door and then he's in the middle of the night in this arguably haunted house hearing scratching noises from the pantry where he knows the pantry is essentially like where the gates of hell are. Mm -hmm. And he's only been there once in his life. Mm -hmm. So he goes down with his little sword trying to kick whoever's scratching noises but it is and it's her it's her and then he kind of leaves she leaves he kicks her out he's just like run yeah and then she has a vivid dream of the house again so she goes back at like 4 a.m this time and he's she sees him like in the backyard like bloody and almost dying like fighting this mystery she can't see it yet. yeah fighting this like mystery like beast and so she is fighting the, or he's fighting this mystery beast she can't see it he has like slices on him she gets slices on her from something she can't see but she gets attacked by something mystery mysterious they're both bleeding they're holding hands and their blood touches each other and then she can see it mm, i didn't catch that really i wrote this down actually while you were talking about something earlier and i was like i have a note and i want to i don't want to forget about it i think the blood is related obviously yeah but she's like He's, like, got a thing on his neck or something, and, and he's he's bleeding. She's got blood, and she, like, holds him, like, trying to pull him up or whatever, and their blood touches each other. 
and then she can start seeing through the mist this like wolf creature Mm. and when she first goes to starling house in like chapter three like in the beginning of the book she's like leaning on the gate and she starts to bleed on the gate like her hand gets cut on the rusty gate and bleeds and that that wound wouldn't close for a really long time Mm -hmm. and that's when she started to like get called back to the house and that's when she started working for him after she bleeds on it and i feel very strongly like the bleeding on the house is related so the point where they bleed on each other i found so he's essentially she runs up to him and she had a bad dream essentially that he was like getting captured by the mist so that's when she ran back Mm -hmm. and then she sees him basically swinging a sword at what looks like nothing Mm -hmm. and dying from it and to that point earlier one of the townspeople jasper's friend's mom is like stay away from that place um because you know so and so the rumor mill once saw the starling boy outside swinging a sword at nothing mm-hmm. yeah continue yeah. so she i don't know how i mean I'm whatever but earlier she has like scratched hands and he's like oh, i told you to run thought never came back never come back was implied and then she's like, I shift so that I'm holding his hand in mine, our thumbs hooked around each other's wrists. The salt of his blood stings my scraped palms, but I don't let go. And then um, she's like, God, you're coming with me too. I don't know what the hell's going on. And then I stop talking because something strange is happening to me. It begins in my palm at the precise place where my blood mingles with Arthur's. A spreading chill, a deadening cold. It flows up my wrist, laps around my sternum, and I feel like I'm walking slowly into a cold river, the water rising fast. Mm. and then she can't hear anything you know she gets all fuzzy and stuff and then this line i thought was very interesting somewhere beneath the terror i feel a distant childish disappointment i'd always thought eleanor starling was a writer of pure imagination a liar of the highest order just like me now i know she never told anything but the truth yeah i remember that and i was like i found the um line i like it's 141 the last time i let go of my mother's hand and left her to die alone. And I know with weary certainty that I'm going to do it again. But then she doesn't. Yes. That whole scene, she's like being unreliable narrator because she's like, I'm going to leave. And then she just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And then she kind of calls herself out. She's like, I know I'm lying. Like this Mm -hmm. entire time. She's like, I know like all the chapters leading up to this. I know I'm just in it for Jasper. Liar. Yeah. (laughs) Or she keeps calling Arthur ugly. And then at some point she's like, he's not. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't know, like even when even we texted, you were like, "I really like Arthur," and I was like, "And yeah, she says he's ugly, but is he though? Is he though? No, I, he's not my book boyfriend." Well, yet we don't really know that much about him other than he's really depressed. I feel like he's scrawny. Oh, well, I actually <laughs> like him. And he does, why. and he can't really use the sword. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh. Yeah, I think he's funny. You know who? Okay, you know who? Scrawny sad boy. (laughs) I keep thinking because in the beginning he has to be so cold and distant towards Opal. I keep wanting to call her Iris. Nope, different book. No, different person. (laughs) Totally. Completely. Because Iris would be there in the first chapter and being like, let's get married. You've never spoken to me. (laughs) But I really just always see him as Jamie Campbell Bower, Mm -hmm. who. I know from Stranger Things, and you know as young Grindelwald. <laughs> young Grindelwald, and he yeah. was in Sweeney Todd. That's so funny. You always put, like, or you often put, like, actors' faces to book mm-hmm. characters, and I never do that. I, like, sometimes. It goes in and out. Evan does it for 
everyone because like when he was reading darker shade of magic he's like okay so who do you think is kel and i was like honestly i don't know i just picture him with like the justin bieber hair kind of because his hair's always falling over his eyes that's really funny because for kel for example i have a very distinct picture of what kel looks like in my brain and i like remember him like i and it's not like i remember i couldn't tell you what actor he looks like because he doesn't he looks like kel Mm-hmm. and so like when i was rereading the series i like picked back up again with the same picture of kel and was like oh there he is like i remember mm-hmm. this imaginary man with his hair and i yeah like i could tell you i can't tell you what arthur looks like but like i have a picture of him in my head and it's not anybody i could name he looks like jamie campbell bauer with dark hair with darker features i somehow keep Ooh, forgetting literally. he has all these tattoos yeah i do too and i, I don't know what opal looks like I don't to either. be honest, I don't. To have be honest, she's like the back of a head. Yeah, because she's in first person, so you're looking through her eyes, and I don't see her. Yeah. No, but I ship them together. I'm also the house uh, because I feel like they both need a friend. They do. They and really she's like, do. I don't know who to talk to. I'm like, go talk to Arthur. Yeah. I love how her brother, when he found out that he, when he confronted her, I have to find this because I don't want to fuck it up. It was so funny. I actually giggled. I do love the relationship they have. That they like, they like riff on each other and stuff. So basically, Opal has been keeping Jasper in the dark, and he's like, so I called Tractor Supply a month ago, and Lacey told me he hadn't worked there since February. She says she's praying for you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I thought it was really dumb, but, like, you seemed happy, and at least you weren't getting groped by Lance Wilson anymore. And she was like, hey, how did you know it was an unusual groping, for the record? And he's like, a good summary of every relationship you've ever had. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but I don't, I'm really suspect that Jasper applied to work for the power company. Yep. So I don't like that, but she deleted that. So that might be a whole thing later on. I was totally going to come back, obviously, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think at this point we have found out that their moms was a form, like a a gravely, she was like a daughter of the gravely family and she essentially ran away from home and like lived as a on the road kind of gal. We don't find that out till right afterwards. Oh, right after that. Jasper is like fuck you and he goes to stay at his friend Logan's house so that's that leaves her free in the motel to kind of go through the box that Charlotte left her from like Mm -hmm. the archives and that's when she found it um I actually just opened right to that page yeah so she finds out that her mom was was related somehow Delilah Jewel Gravely and at first and this is before that we found out how like the house calls people I was like hang on yes what does this mean they're related but they're not no so um, he's yeah he's not related yeah. to the to the gravelys right. at all i mean the starlings aren't related to the gravelys at all except for right. like years and years ago like generations ago eleanor was very briefly married to one and, and this, he and his family aren't related to the starlings it's eleanor his mom oh, started boy. having dreams and they lived in north carolina at the time and they just went west until they stumbled upon the house and everything made sense yeah so john peabody gravely was the brother of robert gravely who we got begot mm-hmm. donald gravely senior who begot old Le- leon who begot don jr brother of delilah jewel gravely yeah who had her so so this is something and i don't know if it's really a prediction or if it's just like a a line of thought but obviously eleanor starling had it out for the gravely family mm-hmm. do you think because there's no accidents in eden but everybody seems to end up dead or having heart attacks or getting injured or whatever mm-hmm. Or like do you the think school flooded and yeah yeah? Do you think it's the town as a whole, or do you think it's specifically Gravely family? Because 
they clearly have a long history of people or maybe it's people who work for them or it seems it like might a whole be town the Gravely for family them. i think you'd have to go back to find the part where elizabeth bain was showing her the headlines right oh because yeah. just just to see if it's just gravely family or eden because now we know like i think there was somewhere that had something happened to jasper at school like a pipe burst or something or the roof caved in oh yeah and it almost got him but he's a gravely yeah so i don't know yeah i was wondering that and also if if opal is next warden or warden adjacent you know say they're wardens together whatever mm-hmm. which i want them to be same although i do like have a sneaking fear that he's gonna end up like dead <laughs> and then she's gonna be the warden oh my but heart I, will be broken but it'll I, be fine same i'm here for anything i have no idea what's going on same but i'm like that's interesting that the house chose a gravely because mm-hmm. arthur won the lot Literally the last sentence that we read in this book so so far was that he swore a private oath that he would be the last warden. Clearly it yeah. didn't really work because they, the house is choosing Opal, but maybe it's choosing Opal to like work with him to end the curse or whatever's going on yeah. with the house. Or it's just like, no, never mind, you know, like we're going to keep going. Who's to say? But if she's a Gravely and she's a warden, then that seems very much like the end of the line kind of thing because it mm-hmm. seems like it's a like a something different. All of a sudden, from the routine. Yeah. I have no idea where this is taking me. And I think that's the point. I think you're not supposed to know what's happening. And yeah. Alex, you're doing it very well. What do you think is going on with Eleanor? I fucking know. She's living her life. I don't I know. I think... She's thriving. So one of the stories, when I wrote all my notes about like the different iterations of the This is the Blank of Starling House stories, the first one, told by Beth, mm-hmm. ends with, Eleanor disappeared mysteriously. But the world got darker. And she said something about shadows fell. There was more mist and more bad luck happening. Quote, bad luck. But we find out it's not actually bad luck. Happening in the town. And then she said, quote, granddaddy always said it was her whittled down to nothing but malice and mist. Still thirsty for gravely blood. And I believe this might be crazy. And I believe that Eleanor is either a beast. Like, I think she went down there. Okay. Somehow, I think she's not dead, or like her spirit is somehow yeah. not. I don't feel that, like she's that's kind of what I'm feeling, but I don't know how that would play out. But like, I'm here for it. Yeah, me either. She's either a beast, and like the the beasts that are coming up are like her Pet. spirit or pets or something that she's controlling, or it's like a like a bad energy something created from her like anger. Or something mm-hmm. like somehow she's related to the beasts coming up because it's some one of the stories it says that like when the when um Opal is reading the book itself, Eleanor's book that she had written about the mm-hmm. Underland stories. First of all, Eleanor is called Nora Lee in the book, which mm-hmm. I was like clever. <laughs> and the okay, stories I are got all it. about <laughs> Yeah, the stories are all about Nora Lee, but I was like, Oh, that's clever, it's clearly Eleanor's story. It's her telling her own story, which is interesting because we get all the other people's stories and then you actually get it from Eleanor herself. Saying that she was like adopted by the beasts down there mm-hmm. and like she's like one day she's gonna go back down there and be like greeted as one of their own. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah. she's her well, like, spirit somehow is still alive. The wild fox from the story was John Gravely. Yeah. I did follow that. I didn't follow that Nora Lee was Eleanor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that story but that I did, in the book was very closely related to Nathaniel's yeah. story. Like, those yeah. two made sense to being yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. This is my theory. I think we're going to go down there. 
Yes, I think so too. I, th- I think something we're gonna go down there somehow. I'm very excited to see what it looks like. I'm so excited. Like I honest, I have no theory. I have nothing. I'm just ready to go where this book takes me. My theory is that we're gonna go down there, and then we're either gonna like find Eleanor's body, or it's gonna be like Eleanor's spirit or something is like mm, inhabiting like the, the queen. The queen. Oh. The the Underland. house. Something is going on with Eleanor. Yeah. She's not done. She's not just dead. I just know I'm going to read, like, the rest of today. Same. <laughs> so, like, I want to just keep reading it. So, like, it's so from our spooky season reads, you told me about this one. I was like, oh, that sounds really good. I read the good reads. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Put it in the back of my mind. Knew it was coming out. Knew I liked doing buddy reads with you. So I was like, all right, I'll get it. Bought it. Read the dust jacket again. I'm like, holy fuck, this book was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because, like, I, when she announced that she was releasing a new book, I immediately was like, well, I'm going to read it. Because, like, mm-hmm. I love everything she's written, so I- I'm going to read it. And then, I, same thing, I kind of, like, forgot about it. I was like, well, when that book comes out, I'm going to read it because it's my favorite author. I'm going to read the book. And then I picked it back up again after I just put down our last buddy read, which is Fragile Threads of Power. And then mm-hmm. I read another book in between that was just not good. Maybe it was not good because I was looking at it through the lens of having just read a really good book. <laughs> but... It wasn't good. And I was like, I want to read something I know I'm going to like. But again, I didn't even really know what this was about other than that it was about like a mysterious house. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to like it. So I'm going to read it anyway. There's like so many little things. I know. Little like I breadcrumb trails. I know. And like, even though we're talking about it now, when I go and read when we're done here, I'm going to have to go back and read where I left off. So I finished reading the other morning and then I went to the gym. So I just finished the chapter where they're fighting this beast. Um, I always kind of wonder this. Violet Sorengale kind of made sense because she spent a while training and people training her and constantly fighting and practicing and doing better. How sometimes like characters who aren't really physically active, Mm -hmm. like Opal, you know, eats a Pop-Tart for dinner and... Like is now picking. I know. I just I picture her as very very not weak because she's not a weak person. I'm not saying weak, but like she's not going to the gym lifting twenty pounds. Like she she does walk everywhere. Yeah, she walks everywhere, but she's not deadlifting or squatting or doing bicep curls. Like like I just picture her as like now she's got this big sword and like she kind of has to go after this beast, but then she like jabs in the eye. But anyway, she jabs it in the eye with her keys. With the keys, yeah. So afterwards i'm at the gym and i'm like just you know going through the motions and i'm still thinking about this world because i just put it down and and even if i didn't i put that was like two days ago and i'm still thinking about it um but i'm just like holy crap i like i am moving my body is important to me so that's why i go to the gym but i'm like i'm fighting just in case like (laughs) i'm ready i'm like doing all these weights and workouts just so in case any of these fantasy worlds are real i'm ready for it good for you and i still wouldn't be but (laughs) That's a great, like, workout strategy, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to be able to stab a wolf in the eye. I um don't work out. I do eat Pop-Tarts for dinner. Um, So I do have keys. I like that she uses her keys and not the sword. And I like that Arthur is struggling with the sword, despite the fact that he essentially trained with it his whole life. He's not really good at it. Yeah, that's why I'd be like, eh. 
not my boyfriend. But I like that that it like they're very humanized like that. They're mm-hmm. not just like all of a sudden yeah. she lifted this broadsword and was able to slice yeah, the head and off. Yeah, was like she's like almost dying and she's like, "What yeah. do I have? What do I have? I have keys in my pocket." And she just like punches it in the eye with her keys between her fingers, mm-hmm. which is a very like yeah, street she, smarts I, way of a girl yeah. to attack somebody. Yeah, and, and she was like, "Okay," like she's like, "I reached back, I felt iron, I was like, whatever, good enough," and just stabbed it with him. I mean, with a sword, I have no idea what the fuck that sword is. We found out Did a little bit about it. it. Okay. Yeah. It, was in his, it was in his history of Starling House. Okay. Is that she, Eleanor, from her studies, she learned that the beast must be fought. Every culture seemed to have its own defenses against them. Silver bullets, crosses, holy wards, holy words, Hamza, circles of salt, cold iron, blah, 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 blah. And in 1877, she was confident enough mm-hmm. in her research to commission the making of a sword. It was forged from pure silver by a blacksmith. She stamped it with a dozen different symbols and quenched it in water from St. George's Well and in the Ganges. In her papers, there was a letter from a convent in France suggesting it had been blessed by living Mm. Satan. So she just warded this sword with, like, every sort of religious or spiritual protection that she could imagine. And it glows. All the symbolism, like, all the symbols on it, like, glow or something. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of when it was glowing. Like, yeah, that's when Opal's like, okay, Arthur, you got to tell me what the fuck's happening here. I um, I do like, first of all, I love the illustrations. Oh, yeah. I kind of want this like printed somewhere in my house. I like the bit. I was looking for it. She says something about essentially like I'm too preoccupied to think right now about how like, holy fuck, magic is real. Because <laughs> sometimes in books, like a character will find out that magic is real or these magical fantasy things are real. And they're like, okay. Mm-hmm. but like if you're a normal person mm-hmm. just you're you or me and you, you yeah you're just a middle of nowhere kentucky and you find out that magic is real you're not gonna be like all right what do i do you're like what the fuck <laughs> like mm-hmm. the fog is definitely related to the monsters like the yeah the wolf is even described as like looking like he's sort of part of the fog at some point yeah like the mist like, there's different accounts where the mist rises all week and like then the wardens die or he's like oh the mist is the house is unsettled the mist is rising more than it's been yeah the mist is its own character i think just like the house is yeah and one of the things you texted me about early on is the um when we first meet like a flashback or whatever of his mom it's like <laughs> whenever we never touched on this again i'm sure we, we did it we did it oh no her his dad is like sewing her scalp back I'm on. looking back through our text. And we're both like, what the fuck? Sunday at 9 12 p.m. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on, but I'm here for it. <laughs> like, why is his dad stitching a flap of his mom's scalp back into place so casually in a sitting room? And what is his mom's hilt thing? We learned that's the hilt of the sword. Mm-hmm. What's happening? But it's creeping creepy and giving a very American horror story vibe. And then I said, and the next time he sees his mom, she has a thistle pushing through her eye socket. Like, already, this kid's had a fucked up creepy life, and I'm expecting an explanation at some point, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> Those are my thoughts from chapter two. I just had a thought just now about that. Just tell so, me. is she in the Underland? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I figured the, the thistle is pushing through her eye because she's, like, decomposing and dead at that yeah, point. Same. She's been dead yeah. for so long that there's plants growing. But we learned how the house chooses its warden. And early on in our recording, we were like, oh, why was he drawn back? Do you think mm-hmm. that the house called him back? Do you think maybe he just hadn't heard from his parents in a long time and decided to go back and he found him he, dead? He did go off to school. 
or something. Yeah. He did go away for, I think, like a few high years, school. four years or, yeah, high school or something. Maybe. Well, the house has been trying to call, not Iris, fucking God. <laughs> Opal. Opal. Yeah. The house has been trying to call Opal, but Opal hasn't been coming. She's just like, these are dreams. Whatever. I'm going to keep living my life. His parents could have died, and then the house is just like, all right, like, just fuck this bitch. Like, come, yeah, yeah, like, you come back and be here until she comes. Yeah. That was one of the things that I thought that I was like, I, um. He's not meant to be there right now. Yeah. Because he wasn't actually chosen as a warden. He's just the last warden's kid. Right, exactly. The house is like, I guess we'll just keep you for now. Something, yeah, I, I really think he's not meant to be there. But something happened with their blood touching. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I want to keep I'm, reading. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to keep reading. I'm so excited. I really hope that like when we're done, Evan doesn't bother me. At <laughs> some point during that conversation, I was just reading our text messages was like along with you. And I said, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but in Alex, I trust I'm ready to go. <laughs> but my last note is that the thing about the narrator, I don't know who the narrator is. I don't know. Opal speaks in first person. The footnotes correct her, which I think is very interesting. Like you mm-hmm. said, maybe it's a handbook in the library like mm-hmm. that resurfaces. But I said in all caps, if this is a book within a book, I'm going to lose it. That's my favorite trope. Alex, my queen of the trope. She mm-hmm. always does. My favorite trope is when the book actually exists. I think this book actually exists in the library of Starling House. Mm-hmm. I also just noticed like while before we started recording and I was sitting here and you were taking notes, I discovered that there is... On the thing, one of the starlings has three keys and the other one has one key. I noticed that too. And what you know, like how they said there was only four keys to the whole mm-hmm. house and he has a ring with two of them. I thought it was three. He has three of them. Three. And then she has one. Yeah. And because there's one that's missing. never meant to be open. Yeah. And it's missing. And she, yeah. in the history of Starling House that we just read with Arthur telling the history mm-hmm. is that, oh no. In the in the section of the book when she's reading the tales of the underland, Opal's reading the tales of the underland, like the actual children's book. Mm-hmm. It says something about how she made a fourth key and buried it under the tree. Yeah, yeah, I, it's under a, a sycamore tree, sagamore tree, sycamore Sy- something like that. Yeah, sycamore tree. I don't know my fucking trees, so I'm like, all right, go find the tree and the mm-hmm. keys under there. Yeah, where does that key lead to? What door is not the pit open? The pit. So right, there's the pantry. And then there's the pit. There's a trap door in the pantry that has a key. And then there was, that's where he found her is underneath the trap door. And then in that trap door, there's like a door with chains on it. Yeah. And, it, and so that's, that's the key. That's the, tree. the key. Okay. Got it. Alrighty. So anyway, let's go. Cause I gotta. <laughs> yeah. I'm all caught up now. Thank you. Thank I you. don't think I have to read, reread that much back, but I'm still going to read like the last page. All right, besties. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're going <laughs> to go read. We're very busy. Um, yeah. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, besties. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we will see you Monday with another episode. Bye. Bye.